Thank you for listening to this message by Pastor Chad Randall at Life Story Church. We are a grassroots church located in the heart of the Bellevue community in Nashville, Tennessee. Our services are streamed live on Facebook and YouTube every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. and Wednesday, 7 p.m. Central Time. We would love for you to join us. Now here's Pastor Chad Randall. What is truth? And that's going to be the, the uh, topic of conversation tonight, probably tonight and uh, our next Wednesday service as well. Uh, right out of the gates, let's just go there. The dictionary defines truth like this. It reads, a verified or indisputable fact, proposition or principle, or as the state or character of being true. Hmm. So verified or indisputable fact. Now this might come to, as a surprise to some of you guys who are watching, uh, as phrases like my truth or your truth are popularized in our culture. In 2015, Barna took a poll. We love Barna. They do such great uh, research on uh, uh, the mindset of the Christian church at large today. They did a poll that told us that two-thirds of American adults either believe uh, moral truth is relative to circumstances at 44%, or they have simply just not given it that much thought at 21%. I want you to think about that again, okay? Two-thirds of American adults either believe that moral truth is relative to circumstance or 21% just really haven't given it that much thought. So, what is truth? Well, this is a question that Pilate asked Jesus when he was brought before him during his trial in John chapter 18, verse 38. Pilate said to Jesus. He said, what is truth? What is truth? And when he had said this, he went out and again to the Jews, and he said to them, I find no fault in him. Right? Famously, famous scripture, Pilate, from his very lips, what is truth? And then, I find no fault in him. Pilate didn't realize the depth, the depth of this question when he asked it, considering who was standing right in front of him. Certainly not. Truth is not subjective, friends. Truth is not dependent on circumstances, nor is it a series of itemized facts and figures. Truth is the truth is epitomized, epitomized in the person of Jesus Christ. That's what the truth is. Can I get an amen or a high five or something? Let's, get, let's be chatting tonight, guys. Eva says amen, amen. Jesus Christ, John chapter 14, verse 6. Let's take a look at that scripture, shall we? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Well, with this in mind, then, it should be no surprise to us that the truth has always been under attack. Always been under attack. That's a, a rude translation of, of the word truth to many unbelievers today, isn't it? I am the truth, he says, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Not this, not this any path will lead to God, new age 
uh, a religion, one world religion that's being pushed. But Jesus, this is all nothing new. Jesus has been under attack. The truth has been under attack since the beginning. And I believe that right now it's under attack Certainly the most it ever has been in my lifetime, I'll say that. I want to say more than ever, but uh, it's been under attack since the beginning. I mean, we've seen the news, haven't we? I mean, transgender issues alone uh, is enough evidence to, to uh, let anyone know with common sense that truth is under attack. That we can't even agree on what biology you're born with, right? Uh, I mean, if you just simply go back to the, to the dictionary's definition, verified and indisputable fact, that's not subjective, right? So therefore, I say this, it is more important now, more important now than ever before that we seek to become and desire to be children of light, as we've discussed through our Ephesians study recently, right? You are the light now, right? Children of light of the day, a people set apart by integrity and truth. So many people uh, have a problem with the church because this is what we're supposed to stand for, but so oftentimes we fall short of that and we don't live our lives with integrity and we don't stand for the truth, we don't stand on the truth. The world hates the truth because it exposes its lies and it exposes the world's false promises as well. The world says, you know, if you'll compromise this, then I'll give you that, right? The world says nobody's looking, nobody will know, nobody will get hurt except you right? The world hates the truth, hates the truth for its association with Jesus above all other things. And the more truth that you have in you, are you listening? The more truth that you have in you, the more you will separate from the world, you understand? And that is a good thing, church. That is a good thing, for what do light and dark have in common? So tonight, we're going to talk about truth, and we're going to talk about some separation tactics, if you were. Okay, so uh, note takers, uh, if you're watching, Ron, if you're watching, this, Ron's a big note taker, you'll enjoy the application points we have tonight. Our first point is this, separation tactic number one. Walk in truth. Walk in truth. What does that mean? <clears throat> it's easy enough to say, right? But what does it mean? What does that look like, right? What does that look like, actually? Um, John chapter 14. Let's talk about that. Let me give you a little context on what I'm going to talk about in John chapter 14. Jesus tells the disciples that he's about to depart. He's, he's told them, where I'm going, you cannot come not yet. Like he's telling him, you will come, but you can't come yet. And then in the same breath, or following breath, he says, let not your heart be troubled. Okay? Jesus tells the disciples that he wants them to meet him somewhere. Okay? Let's read John chapter 3, or John chapter 14, excuse me, John chapter 14, verse 3 through 6. And if I go... If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. Do you hear that, church? That's a promise. 
I will come again and receive you to myself. So for someone out there who's losing a little hope, who's uh, uh, getting a little tired of hanging on, if your grip is loosening and just trying to hang on and wait till he arrives, because as, as this world gets crazier and crazier, listen to this, take heart. I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Verse 4. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. Jesus tells the, the disciples that he wants them to come, okay? And that they know the way. It's encouraging. It's beautiful. It's prophetic. Unfortunately for Thomas, however, it's also confusing. Verse 5, Thomas says, Thomas said to him this, Lord, we, don't know, we do not know where you are going, and how can we know the way? I love this. The, I love the disciples and their questions because they're always so us. Imagine you're there in that exact same scenario, and he says, well, I've got to go. You're like, what? And where I'm going, you can't come. Not yet, you will, but not yet. And But I'm going to prepare a place for you that you may be there also. And the way you know. Wouldn't you be like, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know where you're going. And how can I know the way if I don't know where you're going, right? Uh, what do you mean? What do you mean we know the way? How, how can we know that? Well, walk in truth is our first point, right? Walk in truth. What does that mean? Verse 6, let's read. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That is the way. The way to where he's going. Follow the order. Hey, I'm leaving where I'm going, you can't come, but you will come, and I'm going to prepare a place, and you know the way there, okay? And the way there, he said, I am the way. The way there, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He is the path. He is the path, okay? Walk in truth. How, what does it look like to walk in truth? Walk the path of truth. Walk in him church. Walk with him, church. Seek his presence daily. Seek his advice. Ask for discernment. How many times do we go out the day or the weeks making decisions in our life without even consulting him, without even praying, without even asking for Holy Spirit guidance? I'm telling you, church, we should be, we should be asking him for guidance on everything, whether it's a big decision or a little decision, because how many of us know that you can make what you think is a little decision and it can have grave or big consequences, can it? We need to let the Holy Spirit be the, be the leader in our life. We need to seek his advice, pray for discernment, talk to him, talk to him, pray, look for him. Look for him in your life. Look for him and what he might be doing. What ways that he might be working in your life or in your family or in your realm of influence. What is he doing? What's he doing? Or what could he be doing in your life? 
in your ministry, you're at your job. Look for what Jesus is doing at your work. Where are you in this, Lord? Ask him to be with you at all times. I tell you what, I've never, I learned this lesson pretty early on in life. And I started, when I would go in for a job application, I'd always say, Jesus, be with me. Just walk into this room with me. Give me your favor. And I never walked into a job interview where I was nervous or insecure because I knew the Lord was with me. And his will would be done either way. If I didn't get the job, well, the Lord is with me. I know I have all of the favor of the universe with me in this room right now. So if, it's, if I don't get it, it's not to be. So it gives you this great peace and confidence. So ask him to be with you. Ask him to give you that peace. Ask him to give you rest. Ask him to give you favor. Ask him to give you prosperity. You know, a Christian... Uh, and Pastor Paul Beggett used to always say, a Christian should be happy, right? A Christian should be happy. And that just always resonated with me because I, we've all met plenty of Christians that are just miserable, right? Either because they're twisted up in some legalistic doctrine that has, has got them confused on who their identity in Christ is, or I don't know. But a Christian should be happy. But you know what else? A Christian should really have peace in their life, should really have peace in their heart, be at rest. A Christian should really be optimistic. And I'm not talking about for the way the presidency is going or anything like that. I'm saying optimistic about the fact that he has got this, church. He is not surprised by where the world is at right now. Okay? He wasn't surprised uh, about all of the hijinks in, in the world. Uh, he's not surprised about the election stuff. He's not surprised about any of it. And guess what? He's still got it right here in his hand. He will achieve the promises that he's made to you. He will achieve the promises that he has made to Israel. He will achieve the prophecies that are to come that he's written down in this divine interdimensional communication tool, this, this book that is a window into his very heart, he will accomplish all of it. So we know he's got this. Know that he's got you. So, you know, we should really, regardless of what's going on, and that's what they say, peace that passes beyond understanding, right? What is peace that passes beyond understanding? Well, I'll tell you what. It's when the world says you should be freaking out, when the world says that you should be high anxiety, when the world says you should be afraid, you're not. When circumstances say that you should be afraid, for some reason, you just have a peace about things. You, why? Because you know it's going to be all right. You know who holds your future. It's that old saying, right? I don't know what the future holds, but I know who holds the future. So, walk in truth. Ask for the Holy Spirit to lead you. This is what an intimate relationship with Jesus looks like, guys. It's not just ritualistic, okay? It's not just going to church. It's not just uh, even reading your Bible religiously, right? It's relationship. It's like it is <clears throat> bringing him into every part of your life, you know? Is there a room that you would walk into that you wouldn't bring Jesus into? Well, then don't walk in that room. How about that? Uh, point two. Point two. Speak the truth. Speak the truth. Point one, 
walk in truth. Separation from the world tactic. Number two, speak the truth. First, uh, John uh, chapter 1, verse 47 reads as such. Jesus saw Nathanael coming towards him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no deceit. I love this. Uh, I remember when Chuck and Renee uh, had uh, their baby boy, Nathan. Hard to believe it's been three years now, but, uh, or longer. But when they had Nathan, I remember Amber and I were there at the house when he was born. And then later we did his baby dedication, and I read this scripture because I immediately looked up the, the meaning of the name Nathaniel. And it means in, in whom there is no deceit. What a what great name, Nathaniel. What a name to be proud of. Way to go, Chuck and Renee, right? What a compliment. Think about this, though. Wouldn't you want to have the Lord say the same of you? Hey, there's Nathaniel coming. And the Lord says, hey, there's, there's uh, uh, Andrew's coming. Hey, there, there's Andrew. In whom is no deceit. Hey, there's Eva. In whom there is no deceit. Right? I mean, how, what a compliment. Unfortunately, there is a part inside of us that finds it easy to lie sometimes, isn't there? This flesh has fallen. Even the Apostle Paul said, what I want to do, I don't do. And what I don't want to do, I do do. Who will save me from this body of death, right? Uh, it's our sin nature. It's our sin nature, our flesh that is corrupted. It's corrupted. Have you ever found yourself in a situation where you found it convenient to lie? I mean, or even maybe even more convenient to lie than tell the truth even, right? Um, or maybe just, just don't tell the truth at all and say nothing. You ever found yourself in that position? And everybody's hand, virtual hands are going up right now, I'm sure, right? Because everybody's really honest, especially with the online community, right? Have you ever told somebody a white lie about something and almost immediately had to ask yourself, why did I say that? Has that ever happened to anybody? You just, somebody says something and all of a sudden you just, you just spit out a little white lie. Like you wouldn't even have to lie about that. You're like, why did I even lie about that? Yeah, I mean, that's the flesh for you, you know? Um, it's time for us to grow up out of that stuff. It really is. Uh, when you find yourself in that moment, correct yourself immediately. Uh, trust me, you'll, I think you'll find that people are pretty forgiving when it comes to that stuff because uh, we all have the same issue in regards to sin. It's time for us to grow out of our old ways. First Peter chapter 2, verse 1 through 2 said this, says this, therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Mm, that's good stuff. That'll preach, huh? So walk in truth. Speak the truth. If you just do those two things, you'll, you'll, it's shocking how quickly you'll find yourself separated from the world. You, you realize that so often you, 
you, it's, there's nothing offensive about you. You're not offending another person, but if you just stand up for integrity and truth, people are offended by you doing that. Why? Because it, it convicts them of the way that they don't. And now they're upset with you, they're offended by you, and you don't know what you've done. You've really done nothing, but it's your very presence. And that is spiritual. That's the sin in them. It doesn't make them a bad person necessarily. Uh, depends on what they do with that and if they're willing to realize it and see it. Uh, point three, defend the truth. And this is a big one. Walk in truth, speak the truth, and defend the truth. Okay? Uh, this is a big one. This is a big one because the church at large has lost its taste for confrontation. It has. It's lost its... They, nobody likes confrontation. Look, I get it. Nobody likes confrontation. But we can't let our fear of it silence us. Do you hear me? We cannot let our fear of confrontation silence us. How many of us are even afraid to speak our minds on Facebook these days? Seriously. For fear of backlash or somebody with a differing opinion would rather just call you names and... Uh, 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 harass you, then, then let you have your opinion and just have, a, have their own different opinion and scroll by. Or how about this? If you have a differing opinion, share your opinion as well. No, they don't even take the time to share their opinion. What they do is they just bash you and then maybe bash you some more, right? That's where the world is at. Don't let them win. Don't let them. I'm not going to let them win. I'm not going to let them win. I get that crap all the time, to be honest with you. I get com I'll get comments. Why? Because I'm speaking the truth. <laughs> I'm walking in truth. I'm speaking the truth of the word of God, and I'm going to defend the truth, all right? I'm going to defend the truth. And if you've got a different opinion on something and you think I'm wrong and you have the truth, then share your opinion, all right? Let's be big boys here, okay? Um, George Francis Train, uh, Train uh, in 1872, he was uh, actually a candidate for president. Uh, and in a speech back then, he said this. Can we see that graphic? He said this. Strange times are these. Well, he didn't know the half of it, right? Strange times are these in which we live, forsooth, when young and old are taught in falsehood's school, and the man who dares to tell the truth is called at once a lunatic and a fool. Wow. Well, I'll tell you this. If, if you love people having a people who walk in falsehood, if you would prefer them to have a good opinion of you than to stand for the truth, you need to do some soul searching. Okay? If you're afraid to speak up because you know that those who walk in falsehood will bash you for it, it's time to grow up, guys. It's time to stand for the truth. I think our country is in this mess that it's in because for far too long, Christians have not been standing for the truth. Pastors have not been standing and speaking up for the truth for far too long in Christianity has largely become toothless. Well, we need to put a stop to it. And it starts with you. It starts with me. So let's do it. All right? I'm telling you, George Francis Train, he thought that those were strange times. 
Mm. Make no mistake, make no mistake, your defense of the truth will separate you. It will separate you. But when it does, remember, you are called to be separate. Have we forgotten that? No, we're not called to blend in and blend people into the kingdom of God. No, we're called to be separate, stand for integrity and truth. That inspires people, by the way, because it is the oddity in this world. It inspires others, and they'll, they will come to you. You'll inspire them. They'll follow you. They'll, they'll, they'll listen to you. How about that? If nothing else, they'll listen to you because they're inspired by your boldness. And then you have an opportunity to share your life story. And that's all you have to do. Tell them what Jesus has done for you. How, how you know Jesus to be who he says he is. That's it. Mm. You are called to defend the truth. Here, I'm going to help you out, okay? You guys ready? I've got seven verses that will destroy the doctrine of PC, politically correct, right? Let's just destroy the politically correct church right here, right? We're not called to be politically correct. We're supposed to, we're, we want to use tact, okay? We're not going to pretending not to be tactful, but I'll tell you what, if I, if I err in my tact, I, I would rather be erred in my tact than be erred on the truth, right? So uh, we're going we're gonna to try to shut down this doctrine of political correctness, okay, and world assimilation, okay? We're called to be different. Here the, war, the church is being infected by the world. The church is supposed to be infecting the world. You hear me? I'm getting fired up about this. Here's seven verses for you. Seven verses for you. I'm going to help you out here. Can we see that list? Let's take a look at it. I'm going to read down, and then we're going to go through each verse. Jude 1, verse 3. 1 Peter 3, 15. Take a screenshot of this if you're at home or watching on your phone so you have it. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 5. Number 4. Titus chapter 1, verse 9. Number 5. 2 Timothy 4, verse 2. Number 6. Philippians chapter 1, verse 16. And seven, Ephesians chapter five, verse 11. Let's take them one at a time here. This is the first one. Let's look at Jude. There's only one chapter in Jude, so let's look at verse three. Dear friends, although I was very eager to write you about the salvation that we share, I felt compelled to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to God's holy people. You hear that? Contend. It means a contest. It means to fight. The metaphor would be to contend, to struggle with difficulties and dangers is the full definition. To contend, to struggle for. Are you struggling for the faith, for the truth? Are you standing for it? It's going to be difficult. And guess what? It can be dangerous. You want to live on the wild side? Get bold and stand for the truth in this society, in this culture. How about this? Do it on Facebook. Go to Hip Nashville and try it out, huh? How about that? Or uh, Hip Bellevue. That one's even a better jewel, I'll tell you what. <laughs> Are you zealous? Are you? Are you zealous for the faith that was entrusted to you? Hmm. Because the time, the time is upon us, church. This is not the time for sunshine patriots. The time is upon us. 
Will you compete for the faith? Will you endure? Will you struggle? Second verse, destroying the political correct theology of the church today. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. But honor the Messiah as Lord in your hearts. Sounds good to me. Always, oh, are you ready? Always be ready to give a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Do you have that hope of Jesus Christ in your heart? Is it evident to the people in your life? How about, ask yourself this question. Would your friends even know you were a Christian if you didn't tell them? Or they didn't know you went to church? I'm telling you, be ready to give a defense. You should, Christians should have hope. Jesus is coming, and he's coming soon. And we'll meet him in the clouds. We'll meet him in the air. We'll be with him, that place he's gone to prepare for us. He's promised us, we heard it earlier, that he's going to take us there, okay? That's, that's, that's a lot to hope for. That should give every single Christian some hope. So you know what? It should be evident, evident to the people who know you. And if it's evident to the people who know you, they're going to probably attack you for it. At minimum, they're going to question you about it. And you might need to defend to anyone your hope, the reasons that you have for your hope. Are you ready for that? Verse 3. Verse 3, or uh, number 3. 2 Corinthians uh, 10, verse 5. Paul says, we destroy arguments. And every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. Oh, buddy. Are you ready to, I mean, they come at you with arguments. Are you ready to win the arguments? Are you prepared? Because Paul says there's no reason you shouldn't be ready to destroy, destroy the arguments and every lofty opinion. You're standing boldly for the truth. You're walking in the truth. You're speaking the truth. You're defending the truth, right? Or you should be. You're speaking the truth boldly. And all these lofty opinions, they have a different opinion of what the truth is. And they're going to come at you with their opinion. It, hopefully, actually. They'll probably just try to trash you online or something. But uh, are you ready to destroy their argument with the knowledge of God? Because it's available to you. He who doesn't have wisdom, let him ask and it will be given it will be given. That's a promise from God, okay? Wisdom is available to you. Knowledge of God is available to you, okay? Are you ready to destroy lofty opinions and arguments? Destroy, I love that wording. Point four, seven verses that destroy the doctrine of political correctness to aid you in destroying it. All right. First, uh, Titus 1, chapter 9, number 4. He must be devoted to the trustworthy message we teach. Then he can use these accurate teachings to what? Encourage people, and you know what else? Correct those who oppose the word. How much correcting does, do we do as Christians on average? How much bad teaching and bad doctrine do we hear spoken 
all around us on a weekly basis, sometimes daily basis, and we say nothing about it. <sighs> Guys, we're called to take these teachings that we have right here, use them to encourage people and to correct those who oppose the word. And it's not just saying those who get the word wrong, well-meaning. Those who oppose the word are against the word. Guys, this, is, this realm we live in, this world we live in, is more spiritual than it is physical. All right, There is a struggle of light and darkness going on all around us in the world right now. And if you don't see that yet, I, I, can't, I, I can't help. I pray the Holy Spirit will help. Because it's happening all around us. And the truth is under attack like no other time, certainly in my lifetime. I don't know about you guys, but correct those who oppose the word. You know, it can be uncomfortable to do. It can be uncomfortable to do. Do it anyway. Do it anyway. I said this, I don't know, a couple weeks ago in a sermon. I think we're talking about spiritual warfare. I said, get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Challenge yourself to, 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 to look at those uncomfortable moments, to look forward to them. Because every uncomfortable moment that you have and you seize and speak for and stand the truth, come what may, we do it with tact. We're not trying to, you know, we're, we, want to, we want to take the high road always, of course, right? But we're going to stand for the truth. Look for those uncomfortable moments. Get comfortable because the more you do it, the more comfortable with being uncomfortable you'll get, okay? In love, gently, but do it. Do it. Point, uh, point five, or fifth verse, fifth verse. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2. Preach the word. Excuse me. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, encourage with great patience and careful instruction. Do you see that? Do you see that? That's what we're called to. We're called to be prepared. Be prepared to take on the PC culture, okay? To correct, to rebuke, and to encourage with precision, carefully, all right? Are you getting this? Sixth verse, Philippians chapter 1, verse 16. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. That's why I'm here, Paul says. Why? That's why I'm here, for the defense of the gospel. Oh, man, come on, guys. Church, it's time to wake up. Awake from your slumber, because the hour is nearer now than when we first began. Somebody say amen. And seventhly, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 11. Take no part. Talk about separation here. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. Expose the darkness. That's what you're called to. Not to assimilate, but to separate. 
The truth will do the separating for you guys. I'm just telling you. The truth is a sword. Even Jesus said, uh, I come not to bring peace into the world. I come and I bring a sword. Because the truth is a sword. The truth is what offends people. I'll tell you what, I'm not afraid of offending people anymore, but you know, I'll never offend somebody because I called them a name or, uh, you know, I was, you know, trying to act, I'm always trying to act in love, right? But it's the truth. And when you speak the truth boldly, it offends people. Why? Because they don't want to believe it. They've got an investment. They've got a stake in that not being the truth, okay? They have an investment made that Jesus isn't who the Bible says he is, that he's their version of Jesus, right? (laughs) The Jesus that gets created when you pluck certain scriptures out of context and you muddle them up into this ball of other Jesus, right? Who just loves everybody and that's it. There's no correction. He doesn't love you enough to actually tell you to not do things that will hurt you and kill you. He doesn't love you enough to, um, uh, uh, you know, uh, to, to lead you out of darkness. No, but he loves you just enough to make you feel better about all of the bad stuff that you do and aren't going to stop doing. That's their Jesus. That's not Jesus. That's not this Jesus. You understand? No, our, this Jesus, our Jesus, wants you to be free of all of that stuff that entangles you, that drags you down, that humiliates you, that, that, that attacks your self-esteem and your sense of worth. No, he wants to free you. He wants you to realize whose you are. You are his heir. You are his child his son that he created to be with him and to walk in truth with him in to be the light not darkness in the world but to be light walking in truth with him Mm. point four point four speak the truth defend the truth Now point four, love the truth. Love the truth. Blaise Pascal uh, lived from 1623 to uh, 1662. Uh, He was a French mathematician. So, of course, we all know who he is, right? Uh, He was a physicist, an inventor, a writer, and he was a Catholic theologian, believe it or not. He was a child prodigy. Uh, who was educated by his father, okay? Child prodigy, uh, and he was a tax collector. He said this. He said this. We look at this graphic. Truth is so obscure in our time. (laughs) This is 1623. Like, they got nothing on us, right? Truth is so obscure in our time, and falsehood so established that unless, hear me now, guys, unless we love the truth, we can never know it. We have got to love the truth or you'll never know it. John chapter 14, verse 15 through 18 reads, Jesus says, he says this, if you love me, keep my commandments. 
and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. Verse 17, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, hear that now, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Verse 18, I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. Oh, Lord Jesus. Hear our hearts tonight as we pray. Lord, come. Come, Lord Jesus. Maranatha, come, Lord Jesus. Please come quickly. If you love me, he said. If you love me, do you love him? I know a number of you watching right now love him. I know you do. Do you love his commands? We'll come back to that. Did you just read that Jesus prayed? Did you read that with me? Did you read that Jesus prayed that the Father would give you the spirit of truth if you love him? I don't know who I'm talking to right now, but maybe you haven't, you haven't asked Jesus, you haven't put your faith in him, that he is who the word of God says he is, that he died on the cross for your sin, that he rose from the grave on the third day. Maybe you haven't put that, your faith in him that that's true and that your eternity is secured in him. I don't know, but I'm telling you, if you choose because it's a choice to love him, he will put the spirit of truth within you. A spirit of truth that the unbelieving world cannot have because they, they don't see him. They don't see him. They don't know him. They don't know him because they don't want to. You understand? They don't see him. They don't see him because they don't know him. They don't know him because they don't want to. What do you want? What do you want? For many of them, they, they don't see him because they refuse to believe without seeing. And so they never see, and so they never know. Is it any wonder that we are so different? So different. Those lost to the world are lost to their sin nature, selfish nature. We can only share with them what we have in common, and what we have in common is flesh. The sin that's in them is in us still, though we endeavor to get better at it with the Lord's help. Because without his help, we can't do it. But what defines us, what makes us who we are and who we are eternally, who we are spiritually, they can never understand. Until they do. Unless they come to an end and they choose. Choose him. Choose to love him. But you know him, he said. But you know him, Jesus said, for he dwells with you and will be in you. You know him, don't you? Somebody say amen. You know him. 
He will not leave you as an orphan. He just said it. He's not going to leave you. He's not going to leave you. But unless we love the truth, unless we love the truth, as uh, Blaise Pascal said, unless we love the truth, we can never know it. Do you love the truth? What do you do with things that you love? How about a person? How about somebody you love, your wife or husband, you walk with them, right? You stand up for them, don't you? You walk with them, you stand up with them, you defend them, you love them. Do you love the truth? Do you resent it when you hear it? Be honest now. Sometimes, sometimes we don't like the truth. Can we be honest about that? Sometimes we hear the truth and we're like, oh, I don't like that. Ah, it's true. And it's about me. But nonetheless, if it's the truth, we want it, don't we? Even if it's hard to take and hard to hear, if it's the truth, we want it. Even if we don't like it, church, we need to love it that much. That much. We need to seek it out. And we need to find it out. We need to find it out. What's the truth? Find it out. Truth is a person. Let's end here where we began today, tonight. John chapter 18, verse 37 through 38. Let's read. Pilate therefore said to him, Are you a king then? Jesus answered, You say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. That's you if you're listening, believer. 38, verse 38, Pilate said to him, What is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again to the Jews and said to them, I find no fault in him at all. With every eye closed and every head bowed, I hope you enjoyed tonight's lesson. Uh, again, we'll, next time we're together on a Wednesday, we'll continue what is truth. Every eye closed, every head bowed. If you're here tonight and the Lord is putting conviction on your heart for whatever it is, I don't know, maybe you haven't been standing for the truth, maybe you've stayed silent too long, Maybe you're coming to a saving faith in Jesus Christ for the first time right now. Maybe you're understanding what the truth is for the first time right now. And it's not what you thought. Maybe it's difficult for you, but you're finally come to an end of it and, and you don't want anything but Jesus. Tonight you can have him and you can have the truth. And the truth can be in you. And he'll not leave you as an orphan. Let's pray tonight. If that's you, Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for your word, your truth, Lord. We thank you for your kindness, Lord God. Lord, we thank you that you love us enough to correct us, Father. And that uh, I just ask that when the truth is brought to our attention, Lord, help us not be offended by the truth, Lord. Or if, or if we are confused on the truth, Lord. Give us, the, give us, Father, the clarity to see it for what it is, Lord Jesus. We need you, Father. We need you in this culture, in this world, Lord God. 
uh, I believe what Blaise Pascal said is true, that unless we love the truth, we'll never find it, Lord. But we love you, Lord Jesus. We love you for all you are. We love you for the truth that you are, Lord. Even if that brings correction to us, Lord, we love your correction. Lord, come into our hearts and continue to sanctify us, Lord. Continue, Lord Jesus, to grow us. And for the person who's watching online, who's maybe putting their faith and trust in Jesus Christ for the first time, say this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, I believe that you're God. I believe that you love me. I believe that you died on the cross for my sin. I believe you rose from the grave on the third day. And I believe you'll come again. Lord, remember me when you come as I put my faith and trust in what you did for me. And I say thank you. Thank you for that. Receive my faith. Father in heaven, I put my faith in the finished work of Jesus on the cross and the empty tomb. Make me yours, Lord Jesus. I am yours and I surrender my life. It is not my own. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. We love you guys so much. I hope you enjoyed tonight's lesson. Uh, I can't wait to see you all on Sunday morning, 10.30 a.m., live in-person service at Rutledge West off the McCrory Lane exit just into Pegram, Tennessee. You can join us online if you're not in the area. We'd love to have you join us online if you're not in the area. Be a part of our online community and comment and chat and everything else. Um, but with that, we'll just uh, speak a blessing and say good night. May the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you, pour out his grace, his favor, and his love. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. We love you guys. Have a good night.